you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and we're going up to minnesota for this one 2014 tour saint paul they haven't gone back to minnesota a whole lot in the last couple of years so this is an interesting little point that we have for this episode here because it's a patreon request from not only one patron but two the Minnesota Pride is out tonight, and we're going to kind of prove that within this. we got a lot to talk about. Remember, this is the show that's the sandwich show in between Moline and Milwaukee, so it's kind of forgotten about in the whole landscape of this whole thing. And there are reasons why that we can get into that, but I think... It's more of a visual show. If you weren't there, you might not understand really what the show is about. A lot of what the show is, as we know now, Jill and Eddie, big proponents of finding a cure for EB. This is kind of the first instance where we get introduced to that. So we'll talk about a lot of that. We'll tell a lot of stories and we'll just go forward and hopefully you guys enjoy it. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. We've been hanging out in the Midwest a lot over the last few months. We did a couple of St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, Milwaukee, like going back even to like Fargo and Rapid City. We've been we've been been giving the Midwest some attention lately, so that's good to keep that going. But yeah, I mean, the the elephant in the room here is, you know, this is the show that directly follows Moline. So I think the anticipation was pretty high following that as to like, what was going to happen? You know, was this going to be able to live up to what that ended up being? It's such a difficult position to be put in 
You know, because they had never done that before at this scale. You know, they did the avocado one in Italy in 2006. I don't think it got that much exposure. And then they did Munich in 92, really before they got massive. So it's kind of an after the fact sort of, hey, did you know they played 10 in full? But like, this is really the first time where people are paying attention and are really aware of what's happening and they want to know what's happening next. And, and this show kind of seeing how the reaction was with the crowd. And I don't mean the the crowd there. I mean, like the people on forums and Facebook and things like that. Like it was almost not given a chance in a way. I think that, yeah, people were putting very high expectations on it, but Also, like after the show, I think they were like, yeah, St. Paul, cool. It's not no code. But immediately after that, the next day is Milwaukee. And after that, it feels like St. Paul almost gets eliminated from this conversation. Yeah, it's one of those forgotten shows that like, you you know, you have the people that are always like, if they if they don't do Vitalogy in full, then then it didn't matter. And this is, I think, when we're like, there's kind of a little bit of like, well, why not us? Like, why did why didn't we get that? What, what happened, guys? Like, it's weird for them to have skipped a show and then done it on the next night. But yeah, there's always going to be a little bit of that inferiority complex regarding the show. It's the one in the middle that didn't get the special treatment. But you know, it's crazy, and we're going to get to a little interview that we did with patron Kirk Walton in a second, but you know what's crazy about this, and this has happened for the last couple of years, I've talked to people that have been to the show, and they take so much pride in it, I think maybe because it's the whole inferiority complex, but even people that went to both Moline and, and St. Paul, or St. Paul and Milwaukee, or maybe even all three, they still speak highly of this. They still speak really highly of this show. Yeah, they should. Yeah. Yeah. It's, great it's crowd, good. You know, great yeah. crowd, entertaining, got a lot of like hometown aspects to it. And we're kind of at this point here where I think we should get to Kirk because a lot of the conversation we had was, was exactly about that and how Minnesotans don't necessarily speak up for themselves and don't necessarily tout what they have, like a New York crowd or a Boston crowd would. And getting the representation, I believe this is the first ever Minnesota show that we've ever done. It's something that they take pride in. So let's get to Kirk and I'll tell another story from our patron Ben afterwards and we'll we'll get into a little bit more in the mix. But here's a bite from our conversation with Kirk and I'll tell you a little bit more after. Well, I mean, let's be honest. I think all of us Pearl Jam fans in Minnesota and maybe just Minnesotans in general have a bit of an inferiority complex. So thank you so much for bringing the Minnesota show uh, this early in the year and everything. No, I, I think it's special for us. I mean, I feel like our community, you know, has always been a big music community. Of course, the world knows of First Avenue. Obviously, we gave the world Prince. You know, you're welcome for that. Uh, but also, you know, qu- quite a quite a great scene with the the replacements and Husker Du and bands that have come from that era and everything. So, I mean, Minnesota as a whole has always been a wonderful music community and, and rock community. And I think, in particular, it's been a huge community for Pearl Jam fans as well. And yet you look at major metropolitan areas around the country, 
we haven't had as many shows as, as many, of course. So kind of feeding into that inferiority complex. <laughs> so, um, you know, when I fell in love with the podcast here and everything, it's just like, God, you know, the reviews of all the shows and everything. And, you know, obviously you've done a few that I've been at, but none of the Minnesota shows yet. I'm like, you guys got to do at least one of our shows. And I think that 2014 show, not only being the most recent, but uh, just has some really cool storylines if you will around it and it's certainly a show that i think people here absolutely loved and i think the crowd that night really showed it It was a great crowd but people still kind of talk about that for uh you know mostly good reasons but also some dubious reasons as well i guess well yeah we all know what's coming it's it's the in between moline and milwaukee of course but i think that there was something else that was kind of hanging over the minnesota crowd here And that's a return after a very, very long time. And if you even want to go back, you know, past 2006, which wasn't their show, it was Tom Betty's show, it's going back to 2003. So that's like 11 years of not being there proper in their show. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think for those of us that certainly get out to follow the band and, and get out to other cities and everything. I mean, it didn't seem as long, but it's just nice to have that show in your in your backyard and everything. And given the, you know, I think how rabid Pearl Jam fans are here and everything, you know, and so many connections with the band over the years, it's it was super cool. And, uh, and, and certainly I think a lot of us were kind of relieved, but also uh, excited, of course, to have the band back. And and they made note of that, too, if, as you listen to the bootleg. I mean, they talk about it. You know, we know we haven't been here in a while. And I think it's a good point to make is that they did do two nights in a row in 2006. They happened to be Tom Petty shows <laughs> as opposed to Pearl Jam shows. And uh, like we were talking about before we went live, no one's going to count the three songs they played at the Target corporate party at 2010 as a Minnesota <laughs> show. So as you go out to live footsteps and see that, and it's like, wait a minute, you said it, you weren't there for that long. Look, there's a show right there in 2010. Yeah, we don't count that one. <laughs> All right, so that was a little piece of an extra bonus conversation that will be on Patreon pretty much right after this, either the next day or later that day, something like that. But we had a conversation with him, just wanted to talk about the show in full, and it's really hard to come on and do like 20 minutes or so just in the show itself. So I think this is going to be a plan for 2023 that if we have patron requests or even if we're doing shows that people just went to and they want to talk about it, then we'll do a little piece. We'll put it on the show itself and then we'll put the whole episode out on Patreon for you guys to listen to. So if that's something that you want to hear, head on over to Patreon. We'll give the information later in the show when, when we have the Patreon break and all that. So thank you so much, Kirk, for, for coming on. And we also have a story from Ben Dwyer, who basically, him and Kirk, I believe, requested this like days after each other. So it, it kind of worked out. You can't, you can't say no to two people. Let's just put it that way. You can't say no to two people. It's hard to say no to one person. But this was a shoe-in for this year, I suppose. So let's get to Ben's story here. I've been to 13 Pearl Jam shows, many of which you've covered such as the Ice Bowl, Ridley shows, etc. My best friend since fourth grade, Peter, has been at my side for 12 of them. This is the one show he was not. I was on the floor while he was in reserved, which was a victory because we weren't even sure if he'd be able to attend. 
In August 2013, Peter was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. After many rounds of chemo, Peter was cancer-free. However, in July of 2014, the cancer returned. The option for treatment at this time was stem cell, bone marrow transplant. After going through all of the pre-transplant protocols, it was looking like the transplant would occur in mid-October and he'd have to miss the concert. As it turned out, the procedure was moved to November and Peter would be able to attend. However, the treatments that Peter had to go through before the transplant meant that he would be sitting in reserve with his brother. His body just couldn't handle the many hours of standing required by a spot on the floor. Now, having heard about No Code at Moline, the show before St. Paul, our crew was a little disappointed to have missed it by one show. There was some talk in our group that we could see a Versus show since it was the 21st anniversary of its release. When they played Go after the Slow Burn opening songs, there was some hope that we would see a special show. But when they launched into Life Wasted Next, we knew it was not to be. However, for Peter and the rest of our Pearl Jam crew, it turned out to be the most special show we have ever attended. The magic happened after The Fixer, when Ed brought out Dr. Jakob Tolar, who is one of the leading doctors in researching and treating EB. When given a chance, Dr. Tolar said, when you listen to his music, his lyrics, you know that it goes to your brain, your heart, your marrow. I'm a bone marrow transplant physician, and what I do for a living has lots to do with what he does for a living. What we both do is give people hope. Those words gave Peter a new mantra for his bone marrow replacement, hope. Pearl Jam has influenced our lives so much over the past 30 plus years, and the feeling of hearing those words in that moment was indescribable. St. Paul 2014 may not be the best show I've ever seen, but it certainly is the most important. What may seem to some like a letdown show between the two masterpieces, in fact, was a life changer for my best friend and those close to him. It reminds me of the many ways which Pearl Jam has changed people's lives without even knowing it. We are all so fortunate to have their art in our lives. Aside from that experience, there are a couple of notes about this show that I'd like to add. Besides the Wrigley shows, Ed is probably in the best mood I've ever seen him, which made the whole show that much more enjoyable. If you watch the video on YouTube, you really get a sense of this. And while there aren't many rarities at the show, the setlist may not look that impressive, the band sounds really good to me and takes the show to a level above what it looks on paper. Love Boat Captain with the intro jam and Jumpin' Jack flash tag is a good example of this. And finally, at the time, Indifference seemed like an odd closer because it was more of a greatest hits party show, so you'd think Ledbetter or Baba. But listening back to this bootleg, at the very end of the song, you hear Ed say, it makes a difference. You make a difference. And while I'm sure that it was directed to all 20,000 of us, in my mind, those words were directed right at Peter, encouraging him to battle on and make a difference in this world. Peter's stem cell bone marrow transplant was successful, and Peter was cancer-free until July 2016, when the cancer returned once again, having endured 16 more chemo sessions, along with some radiation treatments, Peter has been cancer-free since 2016. Way to go, Peter. He's gone over to raise $200,000 for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society to help provide hope and make a difference for those in situations like his. That's awesome. Uh, ben, Absolutely. what a story. And, you know, for, for somebody in Peter's position, I don't know if there would have been a better show 
for him to attend to to feel exactly that. Like you might go to another show on that tour and be like, yeah, the music was really good and you know it brought some positive vibes, positive energy, but it felt like this was just a hair a little bit different. This was inspirational. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those moments like the intangible things come together and like the band doesn't even know the impact that they have on people like that at any of these shows. And like, we know that's something that they don't take lightly. They always like talk about have that in the, in the back of their minds. And that's why they're so open with people and like, let them in and do these requests and everything. And yeah, just ended up being just absolutely crazy story that, and I'm, I'm glad it, you know, it had a happy ending. Glad that he's been cancer free since then. That's amazing. Right on, and and raising all that money for leukemia sure. and lymphoma was that's terrific. And yeah, you're making a difference. Way to go! Uh, thank you to both Peter and Ben. That was that was fantastic. I love t- yeah. telling those stories. Stories of perseverance are are always just so wonderful to know and learn. So great stuff, guys. All right, before we get into the show itself, the question of the week to Twitter and Facebook was, have you ever been to a Pearl Jam show that you personally love, but gets overshadowed by a show that came before or afterwards? I want to pose that question to you first, John, because I feel like I know exactly the one that you would say. Oh, yeah? Um, Either Jacksonville or Columbia, right? Columbia, maybe. Columbia is a very good show that no one ever talks about. But I think the answer is for me is probably Charlotte. I know Charlottesville the day before everyone raved about that set list and just talked about how incredible of a show it was. And I think Charlotte being after that had a little bit of a hangover and like not as many people talk about it, but that was one that I love. Maybe, you know, me being right up front first on the rail, right in front of Ed had something to do with that. But I look back on that one with really good memories and we did an episode on it where I talked about it, but yeah, either Charlotte or Columbia would probably be the two, like, if I'm looking at, like, underrated shows that I've been to, it'd probably be those. Okay, yeah. I'm thinking for me, I think it might be Hartford 2010, because it's just, like, and I think people speak highly of it, but, you know, it's it's in the middle of Boston, and Boston was a great show. And I believe Newark was a couple days afterwards, and a lot of people talk about how great Newark was. And then, I guess, like, exactly a week later was the Garden Show, the second night of the Garden, and away we go. And, I mean, that one, for me, is barely topped by anything. So, you know, maybe a little bit of nod to Buffalo 2013, too, but I know that other people don't hold that show as high as I do because I had more of an experience to kind of go off of and, and enjoy on that. But I can't really think of any other ones. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at. Hartford 2010, I think is the one for me. Let's, let's talk about the ones for you. We'll do the Facebook ones first. Let's use one for um, Brian Harwitz first. The one that comes to mind for him is Saratoga in 2000. It's an incredible show, but preceded by the Jones Beach run. Mm-hmm. That's 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 interesting because I think that in the same way as St. Paul, I think a lot of people that went to Saratoga still talk about Saratoga a lot. They haven't done a lot of like central New York shows, a couple in Albany, but that area up there, I don't think they've ever played SPAC again. I think that's the only time. So, yeah, I, I can see that. that that's a pretty good one. 
Tanya Kang said Hershey in 2003, sandwiched in between the third Mansfield show and kind of following up on the uh, MSG shows as well. I think that that's a pretty good one right there. I think. Yeah, that counts. Yeah, I, I think that the only th- there's like one thing people take out of that show and it's just kind of like. Okay, you know, not really worth it to talk about at length, but a good one here is a show that we've done in the past before, Buffalo 2003, another 2003 show. That's a great show. Yeah, you got State College looming, casting a tall shadow around that one. Yeah, and even two days before is Uniondale. Yep, yep. Nassau Coliseum, so that kind of is the shadow of that a little bit. This is an interesting one from Eric because I really don't know this show too well. Er- Eric Latimer said Vienna 2014. I don't know too much about that show. Hmm. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. A couple people said uh, this one's from Pete Fonius, but he liked the first night of Philadelphia before Tenadelphia. He liked that one. A couple other people said this too. From Scott Lodgson, this is a good one because this is a prime example of one that absolutely nobody pays attention to. And I think when you get double nights, this is usually the kind of thing that that happens. The night two show ends up being the big one. But he said the first night in Seattle in 2000, uh, November 5th, the, the big show obviously being yeah. November 6th. But yeah, November 5th is is no slouch on that. That's a great show in its own right. One more here. Eric also said, and I think this is another just home run one, the London, Ontario show before Wrigley in 2013. I think a lot of people, I don't think I, I recognized how important it was to people before like really knowing about it. So yeah, that's a good one. Definitely. Here's an interesting one. We're at the Twitter ones now from Ryan Frank. He said the 95 Milwaukee shows at Summerfest soldier field followed up right after. And that's all that people talk about. And it's, it's crazy because some of the things that happen on that second night are pretty memorable, like maggot brain and playing with the frogs and all that. And yeah, he, I mean, he's right. Soldier field is, massive but i think i think people regard those milwaukee shows pretty highly yeah i can see that here's here's a recent one from ryan schemenauer he says denver from this year he thought it was a good show but oklahoma city for him was incredible for personal reasons he says so that's an interesting one and and i i tend to agree that oklahoma city was was a better show but i guess from looking at a 2022 landscape the show that kind of you know makes a pale in comparison is probably St. Louis. So that's yeah. interesting. That's an interesting one. Of course, Patrick Bagel said the first night at Randall's Island, and then I think the other mention was Albany in 2003. So yep, we got the Randall's Island reference. We knew that was coming. Baltimore 2013. I think that's the the night that Lou Reed passed away. How about, uh, uh, here's, here's one that I wasn't at, but how about Atlanta night one, 94? Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, kind of passed down as being the out of my mind show, but yeah. really it's always going to be the other one. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, somebody said, uh, this is from Evan on Twitter. He said the first Madison square garden show in 98. So not night two where they did breath, yeah, yeah. but the night before. Yep. Another so one that's, that's always going to be the other one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one last one, this was an answer from a lot of people, Spectrum Night 3. 
And I think anybody that you talk to about the Spectrum shows will say that as a show in and of itself, Night 3 was the better Pearl Jam show. As a spectacle, Night 4 was obviously is the one with, with closing down the building and Devo and all that. So, yeah. Good answers, guys. This was a good yep. week for that. Good job. All right. Now for us to talk about this. So let's go. They're going to open with Pendulum here, and the top three are going to be Pendulum, Release, Nothing Man, before going into the punk rock kind of set here. I just want to mention that Ed is out there wearing a blazer with a new dragon shirt. No idea why the blazer's there. That's very interesting. It's not kind of like... class it up. Keep, keep I guess Class so. it up for St. Paul. I think the song that has the best talking points is probably Release here. You know when there's a good version of release because all you have to do is look at Ed's face and look at what he's going through. There's a point where he says, oh dear, Ron. And I'm not sure who Ron is. It's not addressed. And I'm wondering if it could have ties to the EB thing that's happening here and and some of the discussions that are going to happen later. But you can see at points his eyes get a little bit watery in this. And something's hitting him deep down inside. He's like holding on to this one and wants to get it all out there and, and get that big emotional moment out right from the beginning. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. I've also, you know, you hear Ron and you wait a minute. I don't because your mind goes like, oh, is it a sports thing? Like, no, is it like a celebrity thing? Someone's there, but no. I think he's got EB on his mind at this show, like front and center. We're going to talk about it again in a couple of songs. But yeah, I think absolutely it would, it would have something to do with that. Maybe someone that he met or a patient or a family member or something. I would venture to guess that that would be who Ron is. This one just jam-packed with emotions. I've talked yeah, about this soars, before. soars really, really well. Mm-hmm. I've talked about this before where kind of at the end, like the last release, kind of like at the end of that, you know that Ed has a powerful version where he just goes, <sighs> and he just kind of takes like this big sigh afterwards just everything left his body you can tell he gave that everything he had a nice sing-along to follow afterwards and then we're going to go into the hard rockers here just warming up everybody in yeah 
Let's go in the go. As Ben said, thinking about maybe it would be a versus show. That, I this would be. Think of, that's so mean of them to tease. Like, right. Of course, if they were going to play the first track off of any album, everyone's going to go, wait, what? <laughs> and then like, ah, oh, that's, that's, that's a brutal tease for them to do here to these people. Yeah. They knew what they were doing for sure. It's go life wasted corduroy here. Life wasted sounded really good. I thought corduroy has a couple lyric changes that, that are pretty cool. Like I never would have known a mic before. Can't be what I want because he'll E B. Was that what you were referring to before? Yeah. He says can't buy what I want because it's he'll E B. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Something that we got to talk about with Kirk and it happens during corduroy is that Ed asks for the lights. That doesn't usually happen middle of a song, like early in the set, sometimes during corduroy a little bit, but it, doesn't happen very often where he asks for the lights and there's going to be a little bit of a conversation going in later but i remember like a month or two ago when we did milwaukee ed had a couple of things in there where he either couldn't hear the crowd he couldn't see the crowd and he'll say later like oh my hearing is gone and my vision is gone and all that but i thought it was interesting because there are a couple songs where he throws that in and tries to get a little bit more encouragement from the crowd and what kirk would say was that the crowd was great like the crowd didn't actually need even more pressing on that so i guess we can get to that when we get to that point but you think he he needed some help seeing people yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. We just don't know. It would just be speculation. But there's more than a couple of times here he's trying to encourage the crowd and, and get them going. There's even one way back at the end that we're going to get to. Corduroy, I thought, was one of the real good highlights from the show. You see Ed and Stone kind of jamming at the end, kind of playing off each other. And then a just really energetic version. I think him changing that lyric to Healy B kind of got him going a little bit. And he, he could tell he kind of like got something on his mind and he's letting it out and that kind of aids the performance i think this is a great version of quarter yeah they were both jammed real hard towards the end like almost one person saw here's how i'm going all right i'm gonna match what you're doing and that kind of that competitive fire that they get sometimes really really works out it was tremendous here lightning bolt minor matters save you there's not a whole lot of talking in the first half of the main set there's a little bit of where's my fucking manners good evening how are you everybody but lightning bolt had a nice little run here i thought that jam at the end sounded pretty cool but save you was really interesting too because before he gets into the song he intros it as get off your knees motherfucker i'm your friend and i'm not gonna let you die without me I wanted to mention this because there was a show this summer where they played Save You and he addressed, he said, the guy I wrote this about still needs to be saved. And I think for such a long time, people just assumed that the song was about Mike and going through his addiction problems. But to say that Mike is not saved now feels wrong because he's done a lot to to change his life. And there's been some speculation on things. I speculated at one point that I thought it was about America, but it's very clearly about a person. I think like 70% of that made sense. But yeah, I, I don't think I have any clue as to who it could be. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't think we'll ever know. I mean, he, unless he really sits down at one point and tells the story, which he has done in the past, some songs that we never thought we would know. But... Yeah, I just think until that person is saved, for whatever reason, I don't think we're going to know. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And real sneaky here, 
we're kind of on nine songs in a row. Like, they take little, little breaks in between, but it's pretty much straightforward. It's not Brooklyn. Okay. They, wise. they know what's coming later. They're trying to buzz through it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I just thought Save You was excellent and had a little bit of extra oomph to it. And you could tell he's feeling it because immediately after he goes into that call and response. Yeah. And the crowd clapping along right when they get to the bridge and all that. There was a really strong connection during that. And again, could be another EB tie-in. Like, I'm going to save you. Like, I'm going I'm to do everything I can here to save you. That's a tie-in to that as well. Yeah, that's fair to say, of course. This is where they start talking and Ed does this whole, yeah, yeah, hee-hee kind of routine. He says, that's pretty good for a bunch of manly men from Minnesota. Do you find that it helps you if you grab your balls at the end of the song just to keep it going? What am I talking about grabbing balls? We've just met some of us. Or have we met in this building before? You're going to get into a little section of Evenflow and Sirens right here. Evenflow solo. Mike was a little bit more of a slow burn on this, kind of holding out those notes and kind of letting it breathe a little bit before catching fire. Talk about catching fire. Stone was really feeling on, on this one. Yeah, I agree. I like when Mike does that, when he doesn't just go straight into the Hendrix, Eddie Van Halen mode. I like when he plays around with it and gets a little more melodic and a little more expressive. Yeah, I think those are always good. But, oh yeah, Stone is the anchor holding that whole thing down. And if if he's on it, then everyone can go off and do their thing and it's going to be really good. Good version of Sirens too. Uh, He was doing that little acoustic reprise at this point after the song. And this one, he doesn't just do it straight. He's kind of adding some vocal stuff and playing around with a little bit. So you can tell they're in a good mood. Yeah, and, and this is another part where he tries to get more out of the crowd. It's like, I know you have a lot more than that in you. So, yeah, it's curious because I, I from listening to it, I thought the crowd was great. I didn't yeah. think that yeah. they really needed that much more encouragement. But, hey, if Ed really had a problem hearing around this time, then I guess who's to blame him? But, yeah, the reprise is always, like, that's what gets me about this song now. There are two things that usually kind of stick out and they both happen here the reprise and also at the end where everybody's on backing vocals i think anytime you see that we're talking again if you want to add the eb storyline into this we're talking about a song where it's about the fragility of life and same kind of thing where everybody's putting a little bit of extra heart and soul into it and it's a very rare occasion where you hear all five of them go off but when you do you know that everybody's thinking about something now we get to the big moment in the set that i think a lot of people if you were to take one thing out of the show set list wise it would be this And you have to kind of go back a couple weeks on this on October 1st. This one's on the 19th. And on October 1st was the first show of this tour. And it's a very good show in Cincinnati. And they played Love Boat Captain. But they played it with this jam in the beginning. They do this jam in the beginning. Extended. It's like two to three minutes long. And then at the end, they do an extended jam with Jumpin' Jack Flash as the tag. Now, this is the first time since then that we're getting it again. And even going back to that Cincinnati version, which was tremendous, I feel like on this one, they picked it up and they really had kind of some momentum going in this. And this one was just unbelievable right from the start.
love the way that this starts. I love the way that it transitions into the actual Love Boat Captain song. Yeah, I mean, I got chills listening to it. It was It's one of the coolest moments, I think, from this tour. And I can't believe that this didn't stick around and become like a mainstay. It's the big moment that that you need in a set. I mean, this this could have been done every other show since then, and it, it would have been perfect. I mean, there's not a bad thing I have to say about it. I, I love the way that Jumpin' Jack Flash ties in with it, the way they play around with it. It's just, it turns into one of those jams that they pulled off that they they can do, but like on a song like this, it's it just felt really earned and felt really perfect. The love call and response at the end too, just adding that on top of everything else. This is one of my favorite versions of Lopo Captain of all time and like one of my top songs as well. So yeah, excellent. I guess it's fair to tease here that the next Evolution episode will be on Love Boat Captain, which I'm sure this version will come back easily. Definitely. I think for me, listening to that intro, listening to the jam in the beginning, it could be two, maybe three minutes long. I have no idea how long it is, but you just get kind of hypnotized by it, and you're mesmerized, and you're like sucked into it, and you kind of feel like... It could be like 10 minutes in your mind because you're just so focused and enthralled with all this. And because you're so focused, because it's such a captivating jam and rhythm that they got going and it, it keeps progressing, it keeps getting forward, forward, forward momentum. And then out of nowhere where you hear that dum 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 like that to me, I don't get goosebumps as much as I used to at shows. But sitting there and listening to the bootleg, I got it. Look, if I listen to this every day, it probably wouldn't happen. But it's that familiarity after something so enthralling and captivating, that, that familiarity that comes in right after, especially if it's one of your favorite songs like mine or yours, then you're gonna fall in love with that moment right away. And yeah, the whole thing, like even the song itself, like without getting to the Jumpin' Jack flash tag, they had it nailed down and they were really feeling a good momentum from it. And then the stuff at the end, Ryan on top of it was just, this is, I, I never said this before because I've listened to both versions, but I think listening to this now, it's everything that you want from a big time performance of this. This is better than Cincinnati. I think that this one you can kind of put on top. And I I know they did it like two or three more times. Not much. Maybe 2018 and and Europe somewhere. But yeah, this one isn't going to be top. This is a maybe a top performance all time when it boils down to it. It's right there. Yeah, it's right there. This is such a warmth to it. Yeah, love it.
felt like you kind of needed something fun and lighthearted after Love Boat Captain, and that's what Daughter's going to bring you here. Just sort of redirect your headspace from at least my perspective. I'm blown away. Like, if they played something like A Swallowed Hole, which was supposed to be the next song, mm-hmm. if they played that there, then I would have still been thinking about Love Boat Captain that whole entire time. But now... How do you feed off that momentum? Well, give the crowd something that everybody knows and everybody's still in good spirits. I think that's a an intangible that daughter has. Yeah, it's, it's well-crafted. And like, yeah, daughter's familiar to everyone. It's like, because after Love Boat Captain, yeah, if they had gone into like one of the more obscure Lost Dogs or something, you would have maybe lost people. But daughter's going to get everyone singing along and like going to build off of that very well. Yeah, I agree. And we got a Blitzkrieg Bach tag at the end, little hey-ho, let's go, kind of call and response. And then, I don't know if you, you noticed this, but they didn't go into WMA, but it sounded like Jeff was channeling a little bit of the bass line. Did you notice that? Not explicitly. I mean, it, it could have been something where he was maybe did it kind of out of muscle memory. Sure. But, and it could just be something that he was adding to daughter around the time. Yeah, could have been. All right, so they were supposed to play Swallowed Hole here. They crossed it off because Ed notices a Canadian flag in the crowd, and he wants to tie it into what the next song is. Ed also sees a lighthouse in the back. The lighthouse, I believe, is like most hockey arenas. I think the Hurricanes have an area that before the game, a special guest like rings like a siren or something, and like that kind of gets them fired up. But anytime before a wild game i think somebody goes up to the lighthouse and starts i think the let's play hockey chant or something like that and all happens there and i believe anytime either when the team skates out to the ice or maybe even on the goal there's some smoke that comes out of the lighthouse so this is what he's addressing when he's saying i see a lighthouse in the back and he's like so who sits there is it Jimi hendrix and he kind of addresses a guy in a yellow t-shirt. Maybe he's thinking that could be a Jimi Hendrix shirt because the Are You Experience record, of course. And he's like, the guy in the second row is just tripping balls. And if Jimmy's up there, tell him we're going to play a song at the end and we'll need him for the end. And here's a song we wrote with somebody who's about as good as Jimmy, Mr. Neil Young. And that's going to get you into I Got Shit. Another excellent performance from this show. I thought that they were in good spirits. Like, any time that they did something to tee up a song. The song came out, it felt like they were on a roll with it. It felt super positive, it felt exciting, it felt like there was a ton of energy out of it. And even though this was a little thing, and we'll get to bigger things in just a second that kind of come off of that, I got shit benefited from the little conversation that that he just had with the crowd. 
you know, Kirk pointed out that this was one of his favorite performances too. I think another one where the crowd was really amped up and this little this little mini set here, you can even go back to save you, I think, through I Got Shit is, is a really good part of the show. Yeah, I Got Shit always soars and always gets to a really good place. Mike really good at the end. The Mike and Stone both had really good shows here. So now they stop and they say, all right, we're going to play The Fixer. And it's for a bunch of people that you'll meet later. So this one goes out to all the fixers. He says they hadn't played it in a while, which I thought was kind of weird because they were still dabbling with it in the Lightning Bolt era. But the last time they had played it before the show was Charlottesville, the show that we kind of briefly mentioned before. So 42 shows. It had been a while since they brought the fixer back. And they've only played it twice since then. Yeah, I... I was I was a no on this. I just yeah, thought doesn't do anything for me. It just didn't channel what the original sounds of the song was. It didn't feel peppy like a normal version. It suffers from that when they got in later and had to down tune and all that. It's just one of those songs that doesn't benefit. Yeah, like I said, does nothing for me. It was something that they tried, and I think they know now that it's not something that a people like clamor for. And B, that really like aids a set in any way. We saw it cut so many times this year. Yeah. They, they know that it just didn't work out. All right. Here comes probably the most important part about this show. Ed says he's about to introduce people to one of the most prolific and humble people on the whole planet. Mentions University of Minnesota Children's Hospital, which is one of the leading hospitals that treats EB. Be proud of this facility for being in this part of the country. The very first bone marrow transplant procedure happened here in 1968. Then he mentions the skin disease, EB. This is where the healing is taking place and where the future research is going to proliferate into what we hope is a cure. This is really the first time that we're hearing this come out of Ed. And obviously what we know now, they've run benefits and live streams and raised so much money. And when we talked to Jill, I think like two years ago now, she said, I expect a cure to come in the next 10 years. So with the progress that they're making on there, that that's tremendous. And if you were Ed or Jill looking back to this show and seeing how far you've come Eight years later, I think they, they got to be real proud of themselves. So he shouts out the president of the university. He was invited to the facilities and said, we're going to invite him to our facilities right now. This is Dr. Jakob Tolar. We mentioned him before in Ben's story. I think this part of the show is really what linked this crowd to what was going on. And it's another thing. If you listen to it on the bootleg... It might not quite grab you the same way, but there's a full YouTube show on this and you're able to see the whole thing transpire. So Ed kind of says like, hey, we we got a tour of your facility. We're going to give you a tour of ours. And he's going is like, hey, there's uh, our big Hawaiian over there. And trust me, they're not booing him. That's boom. And then he goes to Stone and I, I guess Stone was with Ed the day before on a tour of the facility and Dr. Jakob says that stone is the smartest member of the band and kind of mentions briefly something about stem cells that stone knew something about stem cell research and all that. And then he introduces Cameron, greatest drummer of all time. See, we're, we're kind of going along the lines here. Here's Cameron's office at the drum kit. Here's right what's to left. Be. Yep. And I feel like everybody got like a really nice thing said about them. And then 
Jeff is the low-end, high-energy guy. Like, you can think of something better for Jeff, right? He's done so much more than that. But he goes right over to Mike and says, this right here is the hard hat area. Points to the crowd and says, they are living in danger of being in his presence. They all try to take a picture together. It kind of goes awry. It feels like they weren't ready for it or something like that. It's real corny, but a lot of fun is being had. And then Ed brings him over to the center stage. And this is a real funny moment. He immediately sees, I think, like right when Ed's like, so this part of the stage and Dr. Jacob's like, wine? And he just grabs it and starts chugging it. And it's a very, very cool moment. Very fun. Ed reminds him, you got a toast to the back if you're here at a Pearl Jam show. We love the back, too. So he does. He, he cooperates on that and tells him, all right, do this. Look at the floor speaker and then turn your head back up and look at the crowd. And the crowd reacts on that. And that's essentially right there, your vision of what you are as a rock star. And that's got to be a really, really cool moment for that. The rock star tour. Yeah, not, not many people get to have that moment where they get to turn around and look at 16,000, 20,000 people and have them react like this. But there's a part of this that's like, you're doing this in the middle of the set. You're killing any momentum that you had musically. But it's such an important cause for them and such an important moment where they're bringing them out. I mean, this is probably nine or ten minutes long altogether. But yeah, if you're listening to it, it doesn't really translate. You really need the video to kind of get the full effect of it. But I think if you're there, like Kirk said, they really treated this as a point of pride for Ed saying, oh, this is something that you guys are in the, at the forefront of and, and something that you guys are really doing well. And we made a point to praise him for that. I think a lot of other places you'd hear people go, oh, shut up and play his song, like play some rock and roll. But you didn't get that in this. I think the the crowd is really respectful and, and was listening and paying attention and it seemed like it was done really well. I mean, there's the argument that like, yeah, maybe you wait till the encore break to do it, but after the fixer, he's got it on his mind. They didn't want to wait. Honestly, it benefits the last three songs in the set. Coming off of that, and there's so much positive energy radiating out of that. Following that with Unthought Known, I thought was a huge moment. Ed's got the guitar, like as soon as Dr. Toller finishes speaking, like the next second Unthought Known starts, it's like, all right, we're going to get you right back. I am a bone marrow transplant physician, and what I do for a living has lots to do with he, what he does for a living. What we both do is give people hope. And that is why Almost immediately, we understood each other because he's the real stuff. It's no flair, it's no fluff. He's the real guy. And when you go back home to your loved ones, remember, that this is, a, this is a man who understands that the essential is invisible. It's down, down here, and he gets what we all need to know, which is if you want to fight a disease like EB, 
you go to ebresearch.com and you do something about it. You don't just wait. Thank you. Especially knowing what we know now and knowing the trajectory this has taken, essentially meeting some of the kids through these live streams and we're going to talk about a kid that was at the show a little bit later, you just get tied into the whole thing and you want to support this thing just as much as Ed and Jill and the doctors do. So it was fantastic. I think Unthought Known, Given to Fly as a tandem here are the best songs that could have come out of that. It's just so much Again, positive energy, the song Unthought Known just being about life and nature, how much there is that's open for you to excel and prosper and all full of positivity. And and you can tell Ed's got a little something extra on this too. Like he feels and knows the weight of that moment that just happened and especially from everything that he saw at the facilities and and people that he met in the last couple days like this one he was right on top of this sounded fantastic yeah there's no way you're gonna follow that up with like deep or jeremy or something like one of those kind of downer songs yeah unthought known and given to fly two are the ones that soar and like i said have that positivity and that uplifting energy to them and i think it permeates all through encore one two which we'll talk about I thought Given to Fly was great as always, and then the end of the main set I thought was really, really good. Unthought Known was sort of the emotional moment after what just happened, and then Given to Fly was like, all right, we're feeding off of that. Now there's so much positivity here that we need something big. Like, you listen to that crowd, and as I said, I thought the crowd was good all night, and that big well fuckers chant that was loud that was one of the best ones that i've heard in a while so great call and response at the end too given the fly really worked at a tandem and and we're going to close the main set with river mirror as well and like we said momentum we're just going to run with it what did you think of this bridge i think that there's a moment where you can tell exactly kind of what they're preparing for and it feels like all right in the beginning like you kind of hear everybody sort of preparing for that moment to build up and all it needs is 
for Matt to start driving. Yeah, I love when it's just the eighth notes and it just feels like it's being propelled, like it's very propulsive and it feels like it's being pushed and like dragged on like in a good way. It feels like they're keeping that energy up and like some rearview mirror we talk about will like they'll bring it down real quiet or it'll get a little spacey. But this one, they felt like they just kept the pace up and kept it driving the whole time. shots of it in this too he's right down on the stage floor just kind of plucking the strings with his fingers like right before that takeoff big way to close out the main set very very good all right we're here at the encore let's pause for station identification talk a little bit about patreon and some other things going on i suppose as we mentioned in the beginning of the show that Kirk, we got to talk to him before recording the episode and we wanted him to get as much out as possible and tell his full story and, and all that. So we got about 25 minutes and we're going to put that up on Patreon for you guys to listen to. And we're going to try to do that more as we go along this year and, and feel free at the end of the episode where we tee you up for next week, feel free to pitch something to be like, hey, I went to that show and I'd like to say something about it. And patron or non-patron, we'll be happy to assist you. We'll be happy to have you on. I think that'll that'll be fun. It'll add some new voices to this podcast. And uh, we always like talking to people and getting those sort of stories. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And again, thanks, Kirk, for doing that. And as we mentioned, also, we have the first little bits of Spark coming from the Evolution series, where we're going to start off the year doing Love Boat Captain here. When Love Boat Captain comes out, that's the 21st Evolution episode we've done. We have 20 that are in the books right now. You can go back on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to us, and you can see that in the archives there are some vault episodes where it's like giving a patreon episode to the public and we've posted a couple on there like river mirror and alive and i would definitely check those out if you want to hear what the series is about and kind of get more of that then if you like that then i just suggest heading on over to patreon and digging into more of them this past week even we had some people comment on some old ones and i'm like whoa you're going back deep into the catalog here and people are like yeah this is one of the best things to listen to so i mean it's got all the best songs that we can think of here release present tense footsteps hard to imagine given a fly leash there's a lot to go through if you want to join that and you're also you're pitching in to some of our funding that we spend for the website and also for some things that when the tour comes around this year will be helping us get around on the tour. So if you want to pitch in and just help us out, go to patreon.com slash live on four legs. There are three tiers. You can just join up for a dollar a month and get the content and be satisfied. And that's fantastic. And we'll, you know, we really respect and appreciate that. Or if you want to go a little bit further, 
$5 a month, the Gigaleg tier will get you kind of like Ben and Kirk did here. They'll get you an episode of your choosing where, you know, maybe you can write in and tell us your story or you can come on and talk about it a little bit. So if that's enticing to you, then I definitely encourage you guys to join up on that. And that's $5 a month there. Or you can head on over and donate to the Horizon Leg tier, which is going to get you a full profile episode, coverage of your show, and profile on the website, and then first dibs within every sort of thing that we do within the show, like our set list drafts and everything like that. You'll be the first people that we go to on that. And we're, we're still trying to think of something else we can sweeten the pot with that because you guys are like the rock stars and really, really help us out, anybody on the Horizon tier. So that's $10 a month. Or if you want to do a yearly payment on any of those, if you subtract two months from monthly payments. So the full year on the bonus select for a dollar a month is $12. If you sign up for the year, you only have to pay $10. I think that's a really, really good deal right there and really helps you guys, I'm sure. And that's in place for all three of those tiers. So once again, patreon.com slash live on four legs or go and download the Patreon app and search for us or go to liveonfourlegs.com and there's a button that says become a patron. Feel free to click it and enjoy the content. Thank you so much to everybody that's been pitching in. And also another thing that I've been working on, um, many of you might have remembered from last year that put out some YouTube videos about tier rankings of albums. And I think it was around May when the tour kind of started up. I, I lost time and I lost track of things and I never finished it up. So sometime this week, I think you can expect the first disc of Lost Dogs to be up on our YouTube page. And that just go on YouTube and search for Live and Four Legs. You'll find us easily. So anything to add to all that? Just continued thanks to all our patrons. You know, we're in 2023 now. We're in a new year. It's an exciting time. We got stuff planned, but, you know, we'll hopefully we'll, we'll have some more shows this year at some point, and we'll be on that train again. So thanks to all our patrons who continue to donate, and if you're thinking about it, you know, now's a good time to join up. Absolutely never a bad time, and although it's a new year, it's the same old podcast, so we're just going to keep going ahead and do what we do and try to express our love for the band and try to get you fired up about them too. All right, back to the rock. Ed claims he doesn't know what day of the week it is and asks the crowd if they have to work tomorrow. It's a Sunday, I believe, on this. Moline was a Friday, Milwaukee was a Monday, so that all makes sense. And this is where he mentions that Cameron is responsible for his hearing loss, but surfing and staring at the sun is the reason why he can't see anymore. So he's seeing a bunch of signs in the crowd, and he's like, all I'm seeing are, are pretty colors, but I can't read any of your signs. There's one sign that'll come into play a little bit later. And he says, you can throw them up on stage here, and then you can sign my yearbook later. And look, we got some seats on stage for this, so why not do a little bit of the cool down? And of course... Minnesota having a lot of small towns. We're going to open up with small town here. It's small town, then thin air, then footsteps. I thought the small town was, wasn't bad. No pandering here and kind of felt like a more anthemic version. I thought that that was good. 
Thin Air had a little bit of a dedication to all the special moms, including Trisha and Gabriella. And he said, some humans are like wine. Some of the best ones are Italian. I think that was referring to Gabriella. So, yeah, nice nice version of Thin Air, too. Like, a lot of the performances, Ben mentioned it on, on paper, it might not excite you. And this encore might not seem exciting. But when you listen to it, really pretty solid. Yeah, and Thin Air is the one that sticks out as maybe the rarest song that gets played at the show. It has a little bit of a hiccup at the beginning, but they get that taken care of, and it it ends up being a really nice version. You know, whenever we talk about it now, I think back to the Toronto show where he talks about, like, oh, you know, we thought this was going to be, like, a big hit. We thought it was his love song, and, like, well, what could have been, you know? But it fits really well here. Thin Air into Footsteps is really great. You know, Footsteps is, again, one that's just more of a crowd pleaser. I think they even know whenever that pops up, people just love that song so much, even now with the harmonic and everything. I know it's some people aren't into that, but whenever they play it in a, in a crowd like this, it's going to get a big reaction. So I think that's the one that's, oh, cool. Like Anytime you get Footsteps, it's a nice moment. Yeah, it's a moment of warmth for the crowd because it's a song that, you know, it's been around forever. It's literally yep. the third song. The crowd has such a big attachment to it. I have an attachment to it. You have an attachment to it. And you listening probably have an attachment to it. It's one of those songs that resonates with just about everybody. Even watching this one, it felt like the lure of this song was still alive in this. And it felt like the crowd still loved it after all these years. And it still had that feel of being a special song. Can't go without it in any set. Always going to enhance when looking back. Did you notice this? Ed walks completely off stage after this and shakes somebody's hand. Did you notice that? Yeah, you see it for a minute like he's gone. Oh, where's he going? But then, he, yeah, he comes right back. Maybe, yeah. is this where he got the luchador mask? I'm not sure. Or did somebody give that to him in front? Could be. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, Ed has a luchador mask after this and says, uh, Santos? And I guess he means some luchador named Santos, but at first, of course, right now, where we're sitting... I was thinking about a certain liar that we don't know if his name is actually Santos or not. Yeah, I think you guys can figure out who that is. Definitely wasn't him, but maybe referring to Santos Al Hopper, because that's somebody within the community. I don't think he's ever addressed him before, ever, right? Not that I know of. Yeah, no, I, I have no idea. Yeah, not something we're tracking here, but he also says, I'm going to wear this to Milwaukee. And he says, oh, yeah, third base for the Cubs, Ron Santos, right? So a little laugh there from anybody traveling from Chicago. Tonight, I want to start a rivalry. Well, that's a good way to start that. It says there was a big game yesterday. Nice job for the freshman kicking the field goal. There's a bunch of Skyuma chants that come after that, of course. And he's like, I don't want anybody to get mad, but the Gophers are just not the toughest team name ever. But look at me. Look who's talking, because my favorite team is the fucking Cubs. I like the Twins, too. And this is cool here, because he mentions Paul Molitor, Joe Maurer, and Justin Morneau. And Paul Molitor, after he mentions his name, the cameras find him. And he's in the crowd, and he pops up on the big screen. So if you've listened to this bootleg before, and you heard like a massive reaction when he's, he's going through this, that's Paul Molitor in the crowd. From what I understand, I believe... A few days later, he was named the manager of the Twins. So look at that. Good timing on all that. 
he was mentioned in Moline, they played the next song, which is going to be Imagine, said it was a real powerful moment. He thinks St. Paul should take him down, so also says his wife is here for the first time in the whole tour, so he really wants you to make him look good. This is a cool line, too. If we're in St. Paul, and that's named after Paul McCartney, then this one is by St. John. So, for Imagine the Last Kiss, the crowd was having fun. They bust out the fireflies. They turn around to the back during the last kiss. It's it's all good. These aren't songs that we reference a whole lot. The one thing that I could mention here that I thought was kind of cool on Last Kiss was that Ed was playing Cameron's actual kit at the end of the song. I thought that was kind of fun. Okay, yeah, that that was cool. But yeah, I mean, these these songs, it's just blatant crowd service on here. He's just giving these to the crowd to let them have the sing-along. I don't think it really does anything for the set. It's just like, let's give these people a moment and let them sing along, and then we'll get back to the rock. Yeah, it doesn't really do anything for me. I don't think it needed this, but... You know, Imagine is like this massive thing. So, you know, everyone knows it would have been nice to get like a maybe an EB reference in there to kind of like bring it down to earth a little bit. But sure. We were supposed to get the end in that spot. And that would have kind of been a downer. This was a real upper kind of show. Yeah. So I guess they made the right decision. But again, when, when you do get those songs live, they are participation songs. So that's usually the lure of those. Those five songs took nearly a half hour to go through, which is interesting. But the next three and the last three of this set are going to be big hitters. Why Go, Do the Evolution, Porch. I thought they brought it on these. I thought that they were very good. He says during Evolution, at one point he references Spin the Black Circle. Any connection as to, as to why? No, I, yeah, I didn't know what that was about. He gets a sign after Evolution. There's a sign on stage and he addresses it. And he says he thinks a woman was holding it up, but his eyesight, as he mentioned before, wasn't that good, so he wasn't sure. So the woman pointed at her chest, and he's like, ah, yep, no more mistaking it. And then he says, well, there is a still possibility, but keep the option open. Then he reads the sign and says that there's a third-generation fan here in her belly due in March. She's there with her dad. You can't see the sign on the video at all so you don't really know what's coming or i just wasn't really thinking about it so it was was just kind of a a shock and you want me to tell the dad that what's in there is a it's a boy That was a sweet moment, and I know he's done stuff like that before. It doesn't happen that often, thankfully. If it did, then it would get really, really tiring, but I, I thought it was a cool moment. Eh, nah, what are you doing making him do your gender reveal? I mean, I know, like, I don't know if this was around the time that, like, gender reveals were becoming a big thing, like, Probably, yeah. in the videos, and, like, what are you doing making this guy do that for you? Like, no, I mean, like, let, let him play the show. Like, I got Nah, this this felt way too cheesy and way Everyone, too out of left field. I'm glad they they stopped doing this. Like, well, let's let's never do this again. I mean, there wasn't blue smoke, pink smoke, that kind of thing. Like, it was just they read a sign. It took a second or two, and they went into the song. That's like it, it had to be premeditated. Like they had to go back and tell him, and like it had to be a whole thing. Don't make it about you. Let let it, let him play the show. Look, Ed's never gonna say no to something like that. He's never going to say no. And yeah, thankfully, they, they should. Thankfully, we don't get it every night. 
So if it if it did, then I think a lot of people would have a gripe with it. But for one time out of however many shows came from that era, I think we can just let it go. Mm, didn't like it. Well, hopefully the baby's doing well as an eight-year-old <laughs> right now. Yeah. There's a cool moment in Porch here that I wanted to address. It's in it's in the bridge. Jeff and Mike are kind of jamming together and they're kind of feeding off each other a little bit. And it almost sounds like Mike is playing something. He's like, it's kind of matching. Like Jeff is doing something then Mike is doing something and they're kind of building to something bigger. It reminded me like a Dead Kennedys style sound of what Mike was doing on there. Of course, he loves Dead Kennedys. And they're both like face to face right in front of each other. And when you see them connect on something, like they're both figuring it out and they're both like, what's the other guy gonna do? When you see they fully connect and they have something good, like Jeff looks at him and kind of nods his head. He's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that worked. I thought that was a really cool moment to see that. never think of like the relationship between the bass player and the lead guitarist but they've really kind of forged a good bond over there on that side of the stage and like when it's good it can be very very good and like yeah you mentioned the dead kennedys it's kind of got a little bit of that surf tone to it a little bit that that straight kind of 16th notes eighth notes playing yeah jeff and mike together i mean on that side of the stage just whenever they lock in and wherever you and again jeff you know when you see it on jeff's face because he's the one that's like he'll he'll let that smile out or he'll give a nod and be like yep we're in it now because mike's always going to be like that he's always going to be expressive and everything but when you get that out of jeff you know you've done something good for sure jeff's a good poker player out there so yeah when you get a reaction from him that's a game changer all right encore two it's gonna be hits here but it's gonna work we got 35 minutes to do six songs and one of them is black one of them's better man than alive and rocking in the free world those usually take around 35 minutes so you have to find something to go off i thought the classic kind of things that happen in black happen here ed playing up to the crowd top of the stage and holding out that all i'll be like that's one of the longest that i've ever heard him hold that out that was terrific there the mic moment he gets there kind of slowly and you can see him you know just perching his neck back and you can see like it's all stretched out you can see his adam apple out his eyes are closed head going as far back as it goes and he's on another planet he's finding his own universe there while the solo is going off and it sounds again everything that mike can do and sound perfect and then you know once he pulls his head down it's like he's kind of stumbles around stage trying to catch his balance a little bit. That's when you know you, you get the best of McCready and really the best of McCready as a showman too. Yes, to me, I thought Ed really stuck out on this and really elevated his performance and really good, like I said, that holding that note out was really special and felt like he had some power and some passion in his vocal performance here. It was very good. Yeah, the crowd singing along with Ed, the do-do-do-do-do's on the, on the end, very, very good. And even he's kind of does the introducing everybody at the end. And before going to Mike, he just 
gets on both knees and just bows to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. We're not worthy. Yeah, that's pretty much where we stand there. So, a live riff right here, but nope, we're not there yet. They cut it off, and we get a little bit of the experimental jazz jazz for a second. And Ed gets handed a Minnesota Wild jersey, puts it on, and he's like, well, not to placate, but I was going to go into the wild, you see. And that's the intro of setting forth into Better Man. I thought that's like another thing to get the hometown crowd kind of riled up and excited. Like, that was a cute way to go into that. Yeah, we've seen this with like Bears jerseys and Packers jerseys and like other things. So it's cool to see a hockey jersey get some love there. Yeah, that was a nice moment. Yeah. You know, Better Man, I think, is tight right after that. It's an, a seamless transition from setting forth. And Ed is really animated once you get towards the end of the tag. Like those windmills that he's doing, he's doing pre ending windmills, which is not, that's kind of rare. And it's uh, the, the full Townsend, as we call it. Yeah. Right. And he's switching chords while he's doing the windmills. It's just not like an A chord and he keeps doing it. He's switching notes. Like he's playing a song while windmilling. And I don't think I've seen him do that before. And it sounded like the crowd was really, really impressed by it. going to get a crowd going because it's, it's not just one or two it's like four five six seven yeah, eight. he goes on for a, a long measures. time so yeah very cool yeah again encouraging the crowd a little bit on save it for later he's like we still got more time let me hear you kind of a big finish here throwing his guitar in the end like the best versions of the song i think that that kind of met the standard now it's time for the bread and butter it's live rocking in the free world indifference Ed takes off the hockey jersey right away because those sweaters are way too hot for a stage setting. And I love the visual. Ed's on top of the big speaker and he's just pointing out to everyone, you, you're still alive. And you can tell, like, anytime that happens and you're in that crowd, you're just like, damn right. You know, like, you just go for it and you, you just get even more excited. It's your tip off that the night is ending. And, you know, for Minnesota fans that haven't gotten to see Pearl Jam a whole lot in their hometown, home state, after all these years, like, that's the way to go out. So, yeah, they're in full party mode for all three of these songs. I thought it was fantastic. Rockin' in the Free World was really interesting. In the Thousand Points of Light section, he kind of changed some lyrics here. To help our fellow man, it's time that we can do it. We can do it while we can. Again, we're talking about eBay. Like, that's Mm -hmm. a nice bow to put on top of the whole storyline of what's happening in this show. Direct reference to EB. And then what happens afterwards is we see a young child. This is just a beautiful, precious moment here. And we see a young child who has EB on the side of the stage. And Ed walks over to him. He shakes his hand and he gives him a little hug. And what we found out, thanks to Kirk, is that the kid's name is Charlie Newth. And after the show, 
people found out about him and started donating to his fundraiser and they made a, a ton of money from EB awareness just from his fundraiser. So that like just amazing kind of story. And again, that really is the first time that you're getting to, and maybe for a lot of people, maybe it's the first person that they've seen with eBay. And, oh, yeah, you know, so. yeah. yeah, so it's gotta, it's gotta be eye opening. And now you know about this extremely rare disease and just, brutal disease on your body you see a kid with it nonetheless and you're just like how i mean yeah it brings it home it makes it real like they're talking about this thing that maybe a lot of people don't know about but then here's this kid that has it like here it is in the flesh like this is what we're talking about so yeah i thought it was really well done and really poignant yeah it's a really really nice moment meanwhile at the end like while this is all going on stone's going so you got well, that. J- Jimi Hendrix didn't show up, but Stone still did a pretty good job. Well, Mike usually gets the Jimmy levels. I think Stone uh, got to where Stone usually goes and uh, sounded terrific. Indifference closing out. It says, if we ever happen to meet somewhere, either Mexico, South America, Texas, Seattle, or Chicago, just tell me that you were here on this night and drinks are on me. I guess that's better than saying we'll be back here soon, right? Yeah, I thought that was really nice. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's like a way to to tell the crowd like, hey, instead of just being like, oh, you guys are great tonight, you were so much better than insert city we were in the other night. Like, yeah, it seems really personal and seems like yeah, you, if I'm in that crowd, I'm like, oh, we made an impression. Like, I'd be impressed. You think he made good on that? I would hope so. Like, do you think anybody ever got the opportunity to say that to well, him? We, we should have asked Kirk if Kirk's ever kind of chance to meet him get, oh get i'm sure he would have said that i'm sure he would have <laughs> said something <laughs> that, that's or, that's kind of a yeah. detail you don't leave out yeah. or ben and peter hopefully again kind of a detail yeah. you don't leave yeah. out but hey if anybody did then not sure the, the offer still stands right crowd gets one more moment to sing along they make it count and that's when at the end ed says it does make a difference you make a difference and again that's the story of the whole show nicely wrapped up nicely done i think we can get to our and we're in a hockey arena so i'm going to keep calling us the three stars because why the hell not mm. let's get to our three stars of the show I, i'm up first i believe i think for number three I think I'm going to do I Got Shit because it was a really good performance. And I think a lot of what comes out of the show that that works so well is just the stuff happening beforehand, the the speeches and the conversation with the crowd and things like that. And you get a little bit of story in this one. You get kind of more visual stuff of Ed just kind of bullshitting a little bit. But it was still a cool moment, a great performance of the song. I'm going to go with number two. I'm going to say Unthought Known for this because coming off that whole speech is just... Everything that Dr. Jakob was saying in there, you take to heart. Like, you've never heard of this disease before. This is a world-renowned doctor that you're seeing right here, and a specialty doctor, too, that's working with some really, really important things. And, like, to hear everything that he says and also to give that credit to Ed for being the person that he is, like, that just radiates the whole room. And I thought the performance of Unthought Known benefited from that. And number one is a little song called Love Boat Captain for a lot of reasons. All the reasons. Throw them out there. 100% a perfect version. Jams, outro, intro, doesn't matter. Awesome. 
Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm not, not too far off from that. My number three is Corduroy. The lyric change there, you know, that Ed's got something on his mind from the very beginning. Really energetic version, classic Corduroy. Uh, my number two is actually the whole Dr. Toller speech and the whole tour of the facilities. That was really well done and a nice way to get him on stage and let him have a moment there. My number one, I'm, I'm with you. It can't be anything but Love Boat Captain. Easy. Yeah, not much more to say than that. All right, let's put a a rating to all this. I went into this show with, I guess, low expectations because I followed the stigma. The stigma being it's not Moline, it's not Milwaukee. And I thought that I would get proven wrong in a way, but I didn't think I'd take a total 180 about what this show was because I hadn't listened to this one beforehand. This is the first time that I've ever taken the dive because, again, like you mentioned, I'm going to listen to Moline, I'm going to listen to Milwaukee, and that's an intake from 2014 and maybe even Detroit a little bit. So I kind of sometimes I can set a number in my head beforehand and I can say either you kind of reach the bar, hit the bar, below the bar, or raise the bar. And this one was an easy raise the bar. Before the show, I had it at around a seven and a half, and I finished up. I think I'm going to give this a very, very solid eight and a half. I thought this was a wonderful show, and everything that happened that transpired, just, again, the positive energy in the crowd and watching this, too. I think I might have given this a seven and a half had it just been a bootleg, but you need the visual aspects for this to work. It should not be the inferior show of the bunch. Not at all. This one works pretty well. Eight and a half. I think I'm right there with you. I think I'm going to go eight and a half. I mean, you talk about a show that's full of like hope and positivity and inspiration that almost feels like a low rating, but this is a good show. Like it's musically, like it's got some, some hiccups and some, maybe some missteps, but you can't hold that against it. That's not what this show is about. I mean, it's one of those for the crowd. Like we, we talked to Kirk, I think, I don't know if this is going to be on the episode or not, but he's like, yeah, it's a 10 out of 10. Every show is I go to a 10 out of 10. Like, yeah, if you're there, you're in the moment, you're having a great time. It's got everything you want out of a Pearl Jam show. Definitely recommend giving it a listen. I think I'm ended up in exactly the same place. Eight and a half. Yeah, that's that's a totally fair score. And honestly, that's, again, the bar just getting raised there. Like, unexpected that I would give this. I just thought, okay, it has Love Boat Captain, and that's going to be a nice high mark. And I knew that this show had the EB tie-in, but I didn't know that it had what it had. And that's what makes it all the better. So much more special. Like you mentioned with Kirk's little bite there, all that stuff is going to be on the Patreon episode. We'll run some stuff in the beginning that I'm sure that you've heard already, but if you want to hear more from Kirk, that's the Patreon episode. It should be up very soon, if not right now. Next week, let's go to Binaural Tour. And this one is going to be one for Gabby Mockenhop. She's been waiting a long time for this one, so happy to give it to her. And we're going to do Toronto 2000. How about that? I don't think I've dug into this show before. There's a lot of 2000, and I just don't think I've taken the dive into this one. Yeah, it's been, it seems like it's been a while since we've done a 2000 show, so I'm very excited it, it to, does. to get into this one and talk about it. Yeah, talk about some binaural stuff. 
Yeah, we have a couple more coming later in the year, and obviously I think we'll get to talking about some of Gabby's story, which is more of the bootleg intake, because she's from Germany, so she was not at the show, but she has memories of enjoying it and listening to it on her downtime and all that. So we'll hear her story, and I believe we are going to bring in Steve Bennett to talk to us a little bit about his experience on this show. And Steve's a talker, so he'll talk a little bit more, and, and we'll probably make an extra episode about that too. So yeah, Toronto 2000. For all of you who love Canadian shows or love the binaural tour, this one should be a good one for you guys all right as we say every single show if you like the show if you like what we're doing then head on over to the platform of your choosing apple spotify those ratings those comments help us every single time all we're trying to do is trying to move the podcast forward get more eyeballs on it a lot of eyeballs are on it already and i thank you guys for tuning in and and making that happen but You always want to, especially for the people that were at certain shows and want to relive what they saw, like you always want to make sure that somebody can find that. So if all it takes is a five-star rating and and a nice comment or something like that, then maybe somebody will be able to find a show they went to back in, you know, 98 or 96 or something like that and kind of rekindle some memories. And I think that's the best part about what we do is, is seeing everybody else react to something that they experience. So if that's going to help somebody out, then again, just is such a big help from you guys. And, you know, this is a team effort. You know, we always see this as, you know, you guys aren't just listeners, but you're part of our team too. We, you know, we're friends with nearly everybody that we know are weekly listeners. So there's kind of a, a little bit of a following, but I, I, I call it a team because we all work together. We all love each other and you guys have done so much for the podcast already. And there's no limit on team members too. So look, we got a discord and everything like that. So if you want to come in and join the discord and all that stuff and be part of this community then i i welcome every single person but if you want to help out and just tell everybody what you think about the show then apple especially with the comments and the ratings you guys that'll do such wonders in supporting us that's all i got for this one this may be the end we're here but not for much longer and although we may be parting ways miss you already miss you always Thanks to all of our friends up in Minnesota, and I guess we got to say go Vikings because the playoffs and stuff like that going on, and I believe that they are a playoff team. So maybe you guys will get your, your ring finally. We'll see. But until then, we'll talk about it maybe another week. See you next week for Toronto. ebresearch.org. Thanks so much. Thanks everybody.